Hey there. Welcome back to the I'm Still Here podcast with Tammy Lawrence, Symbolisti. Many of us have lost loved ones, and it brings a significant change in our lives. Our loved ones, however, would want us to continue to live on, being that we are still here. It's important for us to take care of our mental health as we move forward. So our intention is to continue to discuss grief, but widening our focus so that we might discuss other ways to help us live our lives. My hope is you continue this journey along with us as we shift to explore our new world with our loved ones hidden by our sides. Hi there. Today we are speaking with Terry Tucker. Terry has been a college basketball player, an undercover narcotics investigator, a SWAT team hostage negotiator, a high school basketball coach, a business owner, and a cancer warrior. Terry believes that everyone is born to lead an extraordinary life. In his book, Sustainable Excellence, 10 Principles to Leading Your Uncommon and Extraordinary Life, he answers three basic questions that will lead you to your best life. They are, what is excellence, how do you achieve it, and how do you sustain it? Hmm, great questions. Hi, Terry. Hi, Tammy. Thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to talking with you today. We're excited to talk to you as well. So let's dive right in. You mentioned four truths to guide the decisions that you make in your life. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. I, I have them here on a post-it note in my office. And so I see them multiple times during the day and they, they constantly get reinforced. Uh, they're just one sentence. And here they are. The first one is control your mind or your mind is going to control you. The second one is embrace the pain and the difficulty that we all experience in life and use that pain and difficulty to make you a stronger and more resilient individual. The third one I kind of look at as a legacy type of truth. And it's this, what you leave behind is what you weave in the hearts of other people. And then the fourth one, I think is pretty self-explanatory. As long as you don't quit, you can never be defeated. And I, I kind of look at those as, I, I call them the bedrock of my soul. They're just a, a good place to start to build a quality life off of. Mm -hmm. I, and definitely powerful as well, especially, well, all of them really, but the first one, control your mind or it will control you. What is your process for controlling your mind? Yeah, I, I mean, I think of, you know, people used to say, is, is one of these more important than the other? And I used to say, no, they're all equally important. But I'm, as I read more and I, and I educate myself, and actually as I get older, I, I think controlling your mind really is probably the most important thing. I, I remember when I was 15 years old, I had three knee surgeries as a result of basketball injuries. And when I went back playing basketball, I remember my, my, brain was putting all kinds of negative thoughts into my mind. You know, think you know, you're probably a step slower since your surgeries and college coaches aren't going to be interested in recruiting you. And I remember thinking, wait a minute, I'm still playing at an elite level and coaches are still reaching out about the possibility of playing for their college or university. I learned I had to change that negative into something positive. And I believe the Cleveland Clinic did a study on, on thoughts and, and estimated that on any given day, we have at least 60 to 70,000 thoughts that pass through our mind, many of which we don't even pay attention to. But your mind can only hold one thought at a time. Why would you want to make that a negative thought? And I'll, I, I played college basketball, so I'll use a basketball analogy real quick here. If I took a basketball and I went out on the court and I practiced shooting free throws, there would be a certain area of my brain that would engage if we could look at it under an MRI that would light up. 
But if I thought about taking that basketball, going out on the court and practicing those free throws, that exact same area of my brain would light up. So we all talk to ourselves, whether we like to admit it or not. But I always tell people to be very careful what you say to yourself, because the more negative stuff you put in there, the more you hardwire your brain for that negative stuff. Whereas on the positive side, if you tell yourself you can do it, you can tell yourself you tell yourself you can be successful. You absolutely can. And then I guess I guess I'll just end with this. We all become what we think. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And I think I even remember being around that same age, about 15-ish or something, and going through bouts of feeling depressed or whatever. And I was probably 18 before I realized that you have a choice. I can wake up today and I can be sad and depressed and off, or I can decide, you know what, I, I'm going to make today a good day. I'm going to choose to be happy, even if I don't feel it in my center or my core. I can make some mental choices differently than what I've been doing before. You're absolutely right. I mean, whether we're up or down, that is totally our choice. I mean, it's not, I mean, we tend to to blame people. I've, I've been dealing with cancer for about 11 years now and, and people always ask me, well, you got cancer, who do you blame? I'm like, what do you mean, who do I blame? It's like, well, you gotta blame somebody. You know, I mean, we very few people in life take personal responsibility for their own success and happiness. If they don't get what they want, they want to blame, you know, we want to blame mom and dad, or we want to blame our boss or our station in life or whatever. Like I said, very few people take personal responsibility for their own success and happiness. I, I, I want my life to be shaped by the decisions that I made, not by the ones that I didn't make or that other people made for me. Mm -hmm. And as far as a cancer journey goes, first of all, I'm sorry that you're going through that, but it's not like you signed up for it. You didn't say, hey, put that on me. I, I want that to happen. Yeah, you're right. I certainly did did not do that. But I, when I graduated from college, I remember my, unfortunately, my dad and my grandmother were both dying of different forms of cancer. I ended up living with my parents for the next three and a half years as I helped my mom uh, care for both of them. But I remember that, you know, when my dad at the time, this was back in the 1980s, my dad had end-stage breast cancer, which in a man was, well, we really don't know how to treat that. Uh, it's a little more common, unfortunately, now. And so they pretty much told him to go home and die. And I remember he lived another three and a half years. And I believe he did because he had a purpose. He was in real estate. He worked up till two weeks before he died. And I, I sort of tucked that in the back of my mind. It's like, you know what, when this happens to me, and you know, it's going to happen to all of us at some point in time, I need to have a purpose. I can't be, you know, woe is me, this is terrible, you know, look what I'm going. No, I, I've got to have something that, that energizes me, that gives me a purpose in life. And being on podcasts with nice people like you allows me to, to do that and say, hey, here's some things I've learned. I don't have all the answers but maybe some of these things can help you. And so that's my purpose at this point in my life. Mm, and it's absolutely powerful for sure. So are you in active treatment now then? I, I am. I, uh, I, I had my foot amputated in 2018, my leg amputated in 2020 during the pandemic. And in 2020, I found out I had tumors in my lungs and I'm still being treated every three weeks for an entire week at the hospital for those tumors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yuck. <laughs> that you have to go to the hospital all those times. I know. <laughs> yes, definitely not fun. But this comes into this whole idea of don't quit and that you're you can never be defeated. Wow, Our, your life is definitely showing that you're you're walking your walk, so to speak. 
yeah, walking the walk and talking the talk, you know, and, and that's, and that's kind of why I feel it's important for me to share my lesson. I mean, it's one thing to say, well, here's, here's what you need to do, but if you've never experienced it, you know, I, I don't, people are great about talking, but I'm, I'm one of those people that like, let me see how you act. Let me see what you do. And, and does your, does your walk mirror your talk? And in a lot of people, it doesn't. But I think for me, like I said, I don't have all the answers. But, you know, the four truths and what I've been through, I think, have really helped me. And, you know, in terms of quitting, I guess the way I look at that is, I mean, someday my pain is going to end. You know, it may end through surgery, may end through the development of some type of new medication. Quite frankly, it may end when I die. But if I quit, if I give up, if I give in to pain, then pain will always be a part of my life. Mm. And it's a moment where you have to really allow for your experience, right? You can't push it away. You can't deny the fact that, okay, I have to go to the hospital this week. I can't ignore that. But you can go through it with an attitude, knowing that you're getting to the other side and it's not going to defeat you here. Exactly. And that's, you know, I always say cancer, cancer's taught me a lot of things, but I think two of the biggest things that it's taught me is I don't think you ever really know yourself until you've been tested by some form of adversity in your life. You, know, you have to go through difficult times to figure out, you know, what you're made of, you know, what your metal is, so to speak. And the second thing, and, and I know this is going to sound kind of crazy, but I think cancer has made me a better human being. It's, it's allowed me to appreciate things that maybe I would have let slip by before because I was busy, you know, kind of doing the whole life thing, you know, and I was just like everybody else when I got cancer. I, you know, I had a job, I had a family, we were raising our daughter and stuff like that. And it was like, boom, you know, you get hit right between the eyes with this thing. And, and now you have a choice. And I certainly, when I was diagnosed, went through, you know, all the stages that we would associate with grief. You know, first it was denial, and then I got mad. And our daughter was in high school at the time. And I was bargaining with God. It's like, look, just let me live long enough to let her to see her graduate from high school. And then I got a little down. And then I just got to a point where, you know, this sucks, but I'm going to have to embrace the suck, so to speak. You know, that I don't like the cards that I've been dealt, but I'm going to have to play these cards to the best of my ability and just see where it goes. Mm, it's so true. I actually work with a cancer community. It's a, a program here in Waterloo Region called Hope Spring Cancer Support Center, of which I teach uh, meditation, yoga, and facilitate a women's support group. And what I've learned from the support group with these women going through the cancer journey is they don't have room for bullshit in their lives anymore. Sorry for the cursing for whoever is listening, but they really get specific on those little things that they really don't matter. The small talk stuff. They're like, I don't even want to work on that. I want to, I want to be really clear on this is my life and this is what I want to do with it with the time I have left. Absolutely. And I, you know, I, I've had people come up to me and, and be like, you know, I, I could never go through what you've been through. And depending on, sometimes I can be a smart Alex. So, I, I mean, I, I will say to them, yeah, you're right. You, you couldn't because you've already defeated yourself in your own mind. You've already decided that this isn't something that, that I could possibly do. And I don't like those people around me. I mean, they're like energy suckers. You know, they, they just, they, they take stuff from you and they don't give anything back to you. And so those kind of people in life, I, I really kind of want to distance myself from. I I'm on a clinical trial drug now that um, 
more than likely isn't going to save my life, but it's certainly holding me stable at this point in time. And when I started it, I was in, I was on the drug with two other individuals as well. And, and one of the other persons, this woman, she was so negative. Everything was, you know, I can't do this or I feel bad. It's like, you know what? Yeah, I feel bad too. You know, we're all feeling bad together. And, and I used to think, well, cut her a break. You know, she's having a hard time. But I, I met her sister one time and her sister's like, you're the most negative person I know. You know, she was saying this to her own sister. And it was like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want you around me just because you, you, you pull energy from me. And, and I don't, you know, by the end of my treatment weeks, I'm exhausted and I'm beat up mentally and emotionally. And it's like, I don't have much left in reserve and you're, you're kind of pulling that out of me. I kind of need that right now. So I certainly understand what the people that you're dealing with are going through. Mm -hmm, absolutely. You have a chapter in your book to just shift our focus a little bit here, but you talk about why do most people think with their fears or insecurities instead of using their minds? Can you explain that a little? Yeah, I, I that's probably of all the, the 10 principles in the book, the one that resonates with me the most. And, and I think it resonates with me because, and I'm not proud to say this, but I've done that. I've done it, you know, plenty of times in my life. I, I want to, you know, maybe I want to start this business. Oh, wait a minute. You know, am I smart enough? Do I have enough information? Do I, you know, what are people going to say about me if I fail? That's thinking with our fears and our insecurities. That's not thinking with our minds. And when I, when I talk to groups, especially when I'm talking to younger people, I always tell them, if there's something in your heart, something in your soul that you believe you're supposed to do, but it scares you, go ahead and do it. Because at the end of your life, the things you're going to regret are not going to be the things you did. They're going to be the things you didn't do. And by then, it's going to be too late to go back and do them. So, I mean, our brains, I mean, they're just, it, it's survival. They're, they're hardwired to avoid pain and discomfort and to seek pleasure. So to the brain, the, the way things are right now, the status quo, comfortable, familiar, just leave it alone. Don't mess with it. But the only way we're going to grow, the only way we're going to get better, the only way we're going to improve in our lives is if we step outside those comfort zones and do things that make us uncomfortable. When I was coaching high school basketball, my players would probably tell you this. I, I used to always tell them, you need to become comfortable with being uncomfortable. Because that's that's where the growth happens. That's where you learn. That's where you improve and you get better. And we we don't like that. We wanna we wanna get away from pain. So here's what I recommend. And and I try to do this every day of my life. Do one thing every day that makes you nervous, that scares you, that makes you uncomfortable, that's potentially embarrassing. It doesn't have to be a big thing. But if you do those small things every day. When the big disasters in life hit us, and they hit all of us, we lose somebody who's close to us, we get let go from our job, we find out we have a chronic or a terminal illness, you'll be so much more resilient to handle that pain when it presents itself. Absolutely. You're reminding me of Bob Proctor, who says, if you're not living, if you're not standing on the edge, you're taking up too much room. <laughs> That's a great quote. Yeah. I probably paraphrased that, but it's in essence, exactly that. And then what happens is the uncomfortable then becomes comfortable. Yeah, you get used to it. You get used to living in the in that uncomfortable situation. I, I have a I have a friend actually. It's a uh, a friend of my wife and I. But this is a young man that works with my wife, and he's a former Navy SEAL. And he'll call me on my off weeks of treatment, and we'll just we'll talk about mindset and things like that. And the the SEALs have. Uh, 
this thing they call their 40% rule, which basically says that if, if you're, you're at the end, you can't go on, you know, you, you've just had it, that you're only at 40% of your maximum and you still have another 60% left in reserve to give to yourself. So I always tell people, you know, if you don't think you can get off the couch and go to the gym, if you don't think you can, you know, spend that extra time studying or, you know, if you want to spend more time at the office to get that that report done, realize you still have that 60% left in reserve to give to yourself. And I think just people, I, I just don't want to do it. And, and again, that, that goes to mindset. But I think if you understand that, yeah, we all have that. You know, I mean, I don't care how positive you are. You're going to have negative thoughts. You're going to you know, not want to do things. But realize that you have so much more left inside yourself to give to yourself when you get into that mindset. Mm. So what is your process for this? Do you like have a list of things you write down at the beginning of the week or the beginning of the day or what do you do? Yeah, it, it sort of depends on um, I, what I'm doing. I mean, especially if it's therapy, because you're right, I, I, I hate going to therapy. And I know hate's a pretty strong word, but, but I do. I mean, this therapy kicks my butt, for lack of a better word. And so I, I kind of brace myself. I wear this T-shirt, and this is going to sound kind of goofy, but, but it helps me. I, I wear a T-shirt when I go to therapy, at least on day one. I do change my T-shirt throughout the week. Trust me, I, I'm not wearing the same T-shirt the entire week. But the T-shirt T-shirt has an ethos on it, and it talks about, you know, I start everything with a day one, week one mentality where, you know, you're starting over every day. There's, you know, you don't get any, oh, hey, you had a good day yesterday. You know, today's going to be, no, you know, it's day one, week one. And, and, then, and then it goes into that, you know, you have personal responsibility, you have uh, humility, you have, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm thinking about it in my mind. I can see it, but I, I can't think of, of the exact wording. But basically, you're responsible for yourself. Nobody's coming to your aid. Nobody's coming to your rescue. That this is all on you. And where most people quit when they're tired, we quit when we're done. So you know, when I when I react to my medication, you know, nobody's saying, "Oh, Terry, you're tired. Take a break." I I don't have a choice. My body is reacting. I I can't say, "Oh, I'm tired. I want to quit." I, I feel that way a lot, but I can't. So I have to quit when I'm done. And then in a world where mediocrity is the norm, I want to be the uncommon among uncommon people. So, you know, you, you, you just aspire to something that's better. And for me, that in those dark and those ugly times, that fuels me, that energizes me. I, I know I can do this. I know I've got 60% left in reserve when I don't think I can. And I just use this ethos as, all right, it's day one, week one. I don't want to be here, but I'm here. And so I got to make the best of it. And it's all on me this week. And we'll just see where it goes. That's awesome. I'm glad you change your shirt, first of all. I do. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but also, I love this idea of every day is a new day. And it really is because each day we can leave yesterday behind. And if we are controlling our mind fully, then this is a new experience. You're not who you were yesterday today. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the quote, no man walks in the same stream because it's it's a different stream and he's a different man. I, 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 I certainly paraphrase the heck out of that one. But it's it's the same thing. You're, you're not the same person. You're right. You know. Yeah, I may be tired today, but I grew from what I did yesterday. And and I think one of the things that helps me as well is, you know, I started playing basketball when I was nine years old. And I played all the way up until I graduated from college when I was 21. And I think what 
at least for me, it was team sports. I think it can be whatever team you're on. But what team sports taught me is the importance of being part of something that's bigger than yourself. You know, you realize on a team that if you don't do your job, not only do you let yourself down, but you let your teammates down, your coaches down, your fans down, your parents down, et cetera. And if you think about it, the biggest team game that we all play is this game of life. And like I said, I'm on this clinical trial drug that more than likely isn't going to save my life, but may save the life of somebody five years from now, 10 years from now, that I don't even know based on the data that the doctors are gleaning from my blood tests and my scans and stuff like that. And for me, that's another reason to get up and, and try to make a difference. You know, yeah, it may not save my life, but maybe somebody else is going to be able to be with their family for the rest of their life because of what I'm going through. And to me, that's being part of something that's bigger than yourself. Absolutely. And we've come in leaps and bounds uh, as far as cancer treatments go. We have so far to go yet. However, I think back to what was going on in the 80s and how many people were losing their lives. And because of trials like you're talking about, people now are being fully healed from those same experiments that they did at that point. Absolutely. I, I mean, when even you know, 11 years ago when I was diagnosed, I, I have a rare form of melanoma. And melanoma back then was a death sentence. They they had no nothing to, that they could give you. I remember my wife and I were talking about this the other day that the oncologist pulled her out of the room and said, look, he's he's if he's lucky, he's going to live another five years. Can he handle that? And she kind of laughed at it. It was like, you have no idea who you're dealing with. So yeah, go, go ahead and tell him that and see what he does. And, you know, it, it, it was just one of those things where, yeah, I mean, today the trial drug that I'm on does absolutely nothing to the cancer. It's not like chemo where it goes in and, you know, targets the cancer and kills it. All it does is, is the way cancer proliferates in the body is it secretes an enzyme or a protein that hides itself from your immune system. And, and what this drug does is wipes away that, that protein or that enzyme so my own immune system can say, oh, wait a minute, you know, just like a cold or a flu, that doesn't belong here. We need to take care of it. So as my doctor always says, this isn't the drug, you know, keeping you stable. It's your own immune system that's doing that because the drug has unmasked the cancer from your body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like I said, it's just so amazing that the, we have such, we really do have good health care, even though a lot of people like to complain about it. <laughs> well, I mean, we do. I, and and, and it's, it's people pushing the envelope. You know, it's people saying, you know, I'm going to spend my entire life researching this and I'm not going to get anywhere. And then they die. And then wait a minute, somebody comes along and picks up their research and carries that forward. And now we have drugs in, in just 11 years that we didn't have before that is at least allowing me to live a longer life than I would have, you know, I mean, I should have been dead a long time ago. Yeah, exactly. For sure. One of the questions in your book that you talk about is what is excellence? What is excellence to you? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I get the, I get that question a lot, and people ask me, you know, well, what is excellence? I don't know. I, and and the reason I say that is because you and I may look at you know a play or a sports team or or a company and say, you know, I may look at them and say, hey, that they're excellent. You may look at them and say, yeah, I think they're good, but I don't I don't necessarily think they're excellent. I think excellence, like beauty, is sort of in the eye of the beholder. You have to determine in your own mind, in your own heart, 
what you believe excellence is. You know, how do you get to the to the top of the mountain, so to speak? So I, I I'm I, I never answer that question because I I don't know. I, you know, what you think is excellent and what I think are excellent is excellent maybe two entirely different things. So you have to determine that in your own mind. And then once you do that, that's when all the fun starts and you try to figure out how you're going to get to being excellent. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, that's, the, that's the, the trick right there. How do I get there? And I think it's mostly like not focusing as much on, well, keep the end game in your mind, but do little steps daily that are going to get you in the direction of excellence or wherever it is that you're wanting to be. Yeah. I mean, we, we've all heard the, you know, sort of the, the theory of it's not the destination, it's the journey. And, and it really is. I mean, it, I think that's important in life. I've certainly come to appreciate that having cancer, but it, it's the journey. It's what do you learn? It's who do you meet? It's, you know, how do you grow along that, that process, that, you know, that journey to what you determine, what you believe is excellence. And I think people look back and, and it's like, you know, we, we, we are so focused on what's, you know, going forward and what we're trying to get to that we, we don't appreciate, I don't think, a lot of times along the way, what we're learning and, and who we're meeting and who we're involved with and things like that. And that's, I think, more important than getting to excellence because so many people, you know, get to, well, I've, I've arrived and, and there's that letdown and there's that, oh, well, I, I thought this was going to be better. I think this well, that was going to be more thrilling or exciting. And, and it's, oh, I've made it. Okay, great. You know, and, and they're not happy because they didn't appreciate the process of getting there. It was just more, I've got to get to the destination and didn't look at the uh, the process along the way. Yeah, that is so true. Like even in a different scale, like say I want this specific car and I search forever till I find that exact perfect car that I want and get it. And it's like, mm, yeah, okay, now what? But I think that's that's the way we're conditioned. I think we we tend to think we're born empty and you know when we you know when we finish school or whatever it is we do and we get out into life we seem to think that our purpose is to i i've got to i've got to fill myself up now because i'm born empty i got to fill my i got to have a, a nice car i've got to you know make a lot of money i've got to live in a nice house i've got you know i've got to do all this stuff and we fill ourselves up but i i think the reason so many people are miserable is because i've come to understand that it's just the opposite we're not born empty we're born full we're born full and our job should be to empty ourselves out for the betterment of ourselves, our family, our friends, our community, our world. And it just, it seems like we've got it backwards in, in terms of that, that, you know, I've always said everything you need to be successful in life is already inside you. You just need to find it and pull it out and use it to your benefit. Now, it certainly doesn't hurt, you know, if, if you have somebody that you can you know, you've got a mentor or, you know, you're, you're, you're in therapy or whatever, whatever it is to help you do that. There's nothing wrong with that, but everything you need is already there. It's not like I got to go find it. It's there. You just got to figure out where it is and pull it out and use it to your benefit. Mm, you're reminding me when you're talking about that, that what a lot of meditation teachers will say, all of the answers to all of the questions are within. <laughs> I, I think it, in a lot of ways, that's true. I mean, we we just spend so much time. I mean, our mind's so cluttered. I mean, if you think about the Cleveland Clinic study, you know, 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day, most of which, you know, just kind of file through our brains and we don't even, we don't even pay attention to them. And it's, 
you know, it's that negative thought, you know, and, and like I said, you know, I don't care how positive you are. You're always going to have negative thoughts. You're, you're a human being and that's okay. But you've got to decide. I mean, there, there's like three methods, I guess, to get rid of that negativity. The first one, of the, there's, there's that group of people that feed on that. You know, tell me all the negative. Tell me I can't do it. Tell me I'm lousy. Tell, them, tell me I'm no good because I'm going to use that and I'm going to fuel myself to get to where I want to be. I, I'll, it's basically the I'll show you. And, and, and I'm not like that. I'm more of the, okay, that's a negative thought. I need to change that negative thought into something more positive. That, that's what works for me. And then there's sort of that third group that like, oh, wait a minute, you know, kind of making, you know, I need to change it. That's a little scary. I'm going to kind of third person it. You know, I'm going to, same thing. You're, you're, you're still trying to change the negative into the positive, but you're doing it from a third person perspective. And, and that way it's, you, you create a little distance for yourself if you're a little nervous about dealing with that. So there, there are many ways to figure out how to change negative into positive. The important thing is, is that, that you do. Because like I said, you're going to hardwire your brain if you keep telling yourself, you know, this is bad. This is, I can't do this. There's no way I'm going to be successful. And I mean, I think back when I was in college, you know, guys would go out partying the night before a test and then they'd come in the next morning to the exam. And what, what would they always say? Oh, man, I'm hungover. I, I'm going to do terrible on this test. Nobody ever came in and said, hey, I paid attention all semester. You know, I know what this stuff, I've done good on the homework. I'm going to do great on this test. Nobody ever says that. We always go to the negative. And if you can just change that negative to the positive, imagine what your brain can do. Mm, absolutely. What is your go-to, we'll say, when your inner critic is firing off all of these negatives for you? I pray. Ah. To be honest with you, I, I, I've always had a very strong faith life. Um, and, and I pray. I, and there's, there's sort of that old joke that says, when we talk to God, it's called prayer. When God talks to us, it's called schizophrenia. So I have never had God talk to me. But at the same time, I, I talked to God a lot. I remember I, when, I was, uh, when I was first diagnosed, I was put on a weekly injection of a drug called interferon just to try to kick the can down the road, you know, because they didn't have any therapies. The side effects of the interferon were that I had severe flu-like symptoms for two to three days every week after I took each injection. And I took those weekly injections for almost five years. So imagine having the flu every week for five years. And I remember, you know, I used to say to myself, there's, there's a big difference between living and not dying. And I was kind of in that not dying. I, di I didn't feel I was really living. I was just trying to survive day to day at that point. And I remember turning to God and be like, you know what? I I'm not living. I'm just not dying. Get, take me. Get me out of here. I, I don't, this, this is not what life is supposed to be about. Well, obviously he didn't. But I think what he did was give me the courage, give me the strength to get me to where I am today. So I, you know, I'll, I'll say to him sometimes, you know, when I'm when I'm reacting to my drugs and I'm having this terrible reaction, it's like, where are you? I, I, I'm I can't make it. I, I need your help. You know, he never says anything, but somehow I always seem to survive those events. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Yeah, very nice. And it, it, especially when you're being challenged in ways that you have been recently, that faith, I'm sure, is really powerful for you. It, it really is. And I, I think it goes back to my my parents. I remember when I, I told you I had knee surgery when I was young, and this was before arthroscopic surgery was available. So my first knee surgery, I was in the hospital like four days. And and I remember I was I had an infection in, in the wound, and I was in a lot of pain. They were giving me pain medication. And I woke up at like 2 o'clock in the morning 
hallucinating. I, I was seeing things that were not there. And I remember, you know, I, you know, I was a kid. I called home at two o'clock in the morning and my mom answers the phone and she's like, open the bedside table. There's a rosary in there. Pull out the rosary, start saying the rosary. And I did. And it, and it, it kind of calmed me down and, and helped me out. And so I, I think, you know, it's faith has always been a very important part of my life. I don't put it on anybody else. I don't try to, you know, to say, hey, my, my this is the way you got to do it. No, this is the way it works for me. If it works for you, great. If, if it doesn't, find something that does work for you. But faith has always been a big part of my life. Exactly. And it's very personal to each person. So yeah, like you said, you're not you're not there to preach, but to lead and guide. Exactly. Yeah. I, like I said, you know, I don't have all the answers, but here are things that have worked for me. And that's why it, it's it's fun for me. It, it it gives me the purpose to come on podcasts like yours and say, hey, th these things have worked for me. You know, I'm throwing them out there and saying, you know, if one or two work for you, then by all means, take them and incorporate them in your life. And, and maybe it'll get better or, or maybe things will, will turn around for you in that. But again, I, I don't I don't have all the answers. Boy, I wish I did. I'd write a book and retire in Jamaica or something like that. You know? <laughs> and that would be one big book if it had all the answers in it. it. Would. <laughs> Seeing this, where would we send people to find you on social? So I have a, I have a blog uh, called Motivational Check. Every day I put up a thought for the day. And with that thought kind of comes a question about maybe how you could apply that thought into your life. On Mondays, I put up the Monday morning motivational message. I have recommendations for books to read, videos to watch. You can leave me a message. All of that is at motivationalcheck.com. Perfect. We'll put that in the show notes so folks can just click away and, and go over and see what you're up to on this day. Super. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking time to speak with us today, Terry. We definitely appreciate it. And the words of wisdom you've shared is, is fantastic. Well, Tammy, thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed talking with you. Have a great day. You too. Thank you for listening. We're grateful to our guests for sharing their experience and their knowledge with us. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with others who might find it helpful. Be sure to follow our links on social media, which were offered in the show notes. A special shout out to Kevin McLeod and Incomputech for our background music entitled Happy Dreams. Wishing you a fabulous day.